This empty chair represents the addict who died today, not knowing recovery was possible. tonight's episode of this empty chair thank you all for tuning in tonight and uh we have some amazing um guests here this evening and, and a topic that not a lot of people want to talk about but it's something that we really need to uh start shining the light on because it's um definitely is something that needs our light and our healing and our prayers um but welcome to the empty chair tonight's show she did not die from a drug overdose. Um, she died from being sick, but she was a woman in recovery who was really big in the community. I don't know if you know Karen, because she was did a lot in Havel at the uh, on top of A1. But tonight's show is dedicated to my sister in Christ, and this is Karen F. She was an amazing young lady who did a lot in recovery, a lot with Celebrate Recovery, a lot with the fellowships. And, um, and she is sadly missed by everyone in our community. So tonight's show is dedicated to Karen, which I know she's over. She's with Jesus. And, and right now, where we're at in this world, we're, what a better place to be at this time. So um, just a reminder to go over why we have shows like this. In um, 2021, we lost 103, 100,306 individuals lost their lives to drug overdoses in the Merrimack Valley alone in 2021. It was 440 overdose deaths, and 46 of those were resulted in death. Um, since January 1st of this year, we've had 47 reported overdoses in the Merrimack Valley, with five of those resulting in deaths. So that's why it's important that we continue to have conversations, shows like this, talk about mental health, addiction, and everything that we're going to be discussing tonight. So it's to offer hope to people and also... You don't know what you don't know unless you hear it. And then you say, hey, I remember that. Let's contact those people. So many things lead to addiction, whether it be genetics, environmental, or trauma. And um, tonight, these two are going to talk about what brought them to addiction and how they got sober and what they have done with their lives in regards to it. So I appreciate you being here. Um, I want to be, give a big shout out to our sponsors. Thank you, Bob, for having Aaron. Like that's a miracle that he was there. It was when you showed up. He didn't. He went to my office yeah. instead of coming here. He's like, yeah, Bob's like, where are you? But thank you. Yeah, Bob and Andrea Surrett of Alternative Home Healthcare. Thank you so much. Circle of Hope, which is Phil and Fran Leahy. We love you. Thank you to Johnny Croto at Cornerstones. Um, Fred Arazio at Essex Companies. Um, Officer Danny Sinclair at Essex County Outreach, the Greater Lawrence Family Health Center, um, Saeed Coates of Haven of Hope, Lawrence Bethune Community Coalition, Sid Harris at Bethune Events. Um, big shout out to Lauren and Patrick over at Title Boxing Club in North Andover. Um, top Seal Addiction Treatment. And as always, thank you to my producer, Lou Blazy and Costa Broadcasting for allowing us to have the show here. Our shows are live on this page and also live on YouTube as we're speaking. And then they can also be found on Google, iTunes, Spotify. And um, so you'll always have them. You can attach them to your Facebook page. You can use them as your resume. Um, some upcoming events, March 4th, we have the second annual Memorial Concert and Testimonies at 217 Main Street in Haverhill, um, which is right above the A1 Diner. 
also every week we have Celebrate Recovery. Um, it's a 12-step Christian-based program. They meet Tuesdays at the Rock Church in Plastow from 6.30 to 8. And on Wednesdays, they meet at 60 Island Street in Lawrence, Mass. If you want information on that, hit me up and I will give you the contacts. Also, the Ray of Light Recovery Cafe has many meetings and events throughout the week. Monday through Friday, they have noontime AA meetings. Friday night, they have a meeting at 6 p.m. called Drop the Rock. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m. is a speaker meeting. Sundays at 7 p.m., they have a study of the big book. They recently had an open mic music night, and I saw some of the clips, and there was a singer, uh, a gentleman on a guitar, and he actually brought me to tears with his song. So he's, he's actually someone I want to reach out to um, to have a conversation. But Ray Light Cafe um, can be found above A1 Deli, downtown Haverhill. If you want any information on that, just reach out to me or Diana Teal um, at 603-489-7061. Also, we have the Movement Family, which is a weekly opportunity to feed the homeless in Lawrence. Um, it's a great opportunity to be of service, whether you want to sponsor a meal Go down there and be the hands and feet of Christ and serve. They meet 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. on 1 South Broadway in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And they're always looking for donations. So if you want more information on that, you can reach out to me or Michael Gorman. And um, so that's all I have for our um, events of what's going on. And it's just an honor and privilege to have you both here. This is your second time here. Um, Louie brought you and It's funny because I had reached out to Louie to be on and he's working nights. So he won't be able to join me until months later. So welcome to you both. And um, I really appreciate you taking time out of your life to be here to uh, to spread a message of hope. So uh, Aaron, I'm going to open it up with you. I know uh, a little bit about how Crohn's disease as a child yeah, um, brings you to addiction to where your life just goes off. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, my name is Aaron Evans. Um, and honestly, first off, I just want to say, I mean, this is a privilege to be here, um, mm -hmm. but a privilege to even be able to talk about my past, you mm -hmm. know, and be able to say it's on the back burner, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it was a time and a point in my life. I mean, there's a lot of amazing people that don't don't get that opportunity now, yeah. you know, and I spent a little while, probably a lot of time actually in hospital beds, you know, wondering why I was suffering, why I was going through this or that, you know, and a lot of things I brought on myself. I mean, I, you know, not the Crohn's disease, you know, yeah. but the way I used addiction, you know, and, and pain meds to try to cope with that. It wasn't the greatest way. Um, yeah. It kind of did sneak up on me in a way, you know, but to be able to be here and just speak about my story um, and say that God really did pull me out, Amen. you know, is <laughs> so much of a privilege, you know, it, it is because my kids can see it. Um, and there was some dark times, which, I mean, I remember being, you know, I'm six one and, uh, I weighed 113 pounds and, uh, was literally withering away. I mean, full blown addict. And because of the addiction, I wasn't really aware of what the Crohn's was doing to me. I just kept covering the pain, masking the pain, you know, thinking, oh, I got to eat more. I'm just losing weight. Um, you know, and I think. For me, I could go through a long, 
you know, story, which really led up to everything. But I'd say for me, the part I really want to focus on is really the start, that turning point for me, you know, and it was me sitting in this in the hospital bed this one last time. Um, and I had to have a conversation with my oldest son, who at the time was only like six years old, seven years old, you know, and there was a lot of talk from the doctors. They wanted to postpone the surgery because of just years of drug abuse and, and the condition of my body. Um, they weren't sure if I'd make it out of the surgery, you know, and I had to make a big decision. Um, and I wanted to go forward with the surgery because I couldn't imagine, you know, continuing in that direction that I was going, you know? And, uh, so I sat with my son and kind of told him, you know, what could be. And I mean, he, uh, the surgery went well and, you know, me being, uh, I guess, uh, stubborn, you know, I thank God and moved on and, and started to get healthy and, you know, but I was angry because I had a colostomy bag um, due to how the surgery played out. It was, it was a bowel resection. Um, I lost 15 feet of my small intestine. So I wound up with a colostomy bag. So instead of coming out of the surgery, super stoked and everything, um, I was angry and yeah. frustrated. Um, Rightly so. You know, it completely just in my mind, it, it was like, what's the point? It was very selfish mentality, you yeah. know? Um, so addiction still, just was prevalent in my life. Um, I didn't seek a lot of help and basically burnt every bridge in the process um, of trying to just maintain the addiction. Um, and I gotta say, it was my, my children um, ultimately that made me seek different routes. Like I never felt like rehab would work for me. I never felt like, uh, you know, really any program suited what I was trying to do. You know, it was always an excuse. It was like, I got to be working, you know, make sure I wasn't leaving my family high and dry. Not, you know, all the while I wasn't doing good for them, you know? Yeah. Um, but I kept this mentality, like I got to be there working, you know, I can't be in rehab, you know, but thank God I ended up coming across um, a place called Spectrum um, yeah. and nice. Spectrum was huge for me. And I know there's a lot of, you know, people have different opinions about, you know, going from one substance to another. But I think for me, it wasn't so much about getting clean as much as it was I needed to establish a routine again in my life. I needed to not be going to the streets to get drugs. And, you know, it needed to be something I could feel productive about, you know, and it helped to create that routine for me that ultimately it did it helped it got me clean Amen. um and i was there for three years yeah. and you know i god put uh my beautiful fiance kind of in my path and awesome. uh she kind of helped me to find the strength to say okay i'm ready to actually get clean you yeah. know and be off from it and uh, it was amazing because i was able to do it kind of how i wanted to so it was like every seven days yeah. um i'd go down a few milligrams mm -hmm. and it ironically uh took seven months to do it mm -hmm. you know it just felt kind of divine in that sense you know and it was yeah. was it painful not until i hit about 15 milligrams okay and i think i was around like 75 so it wasn't like an insane dose okay. you know it didn't take a, a tremendous amount to keep me level 
Um, but nonetheless, I was on it for three years at that dose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, around, but it wasn't like painful, painful, just like your Crohn's disease painful. It wasn't, wasn't anything like that. Like okay. that. No, it um it was more just like the fidgety legs. Yeah. You know, you you could feel it. Um sleeping wasn't great, yep. but it was far more bearable, you know, and uh I was just basically in a different mental state too, you know, and, and I can't really tell you why, other than for the first time in my life I felt like things were lining up. Um and I needed to take the opportunities as they were coming, you know, because mm -hmm. I I had lost so many opportunities and just missed so many chances to do something right. I chose not to. Um, and I don't know, I could say it's kind of funny, um, but where my faith really came into play is, is as I got clean, you know, I was down to that like last week or two. Um, I had actually had a moment where I prayed and I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to know you. I just don't know how, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like we're here. I'm, I'm clean. I know you're a part of this. I, I know you helped me through getting off of this. Um, just show me, yeah. you know, and uh, three days later, he answered that prayer. Um, he really did. And, uh, op, you know, basically, um, I ended up going to Walmart, but I wasn't supposed to. Mm -hmm. I like beelined it to Walmart. But I was actually <laughs> I took a left. I was supposed to take a right yeah. to go pick up my fiance from work and I just I went to Walmart out of like some kind of habit so as I pulled in pulled into a spot I'm like you know what I got time I'll get out I'll just go get an energy drink and then I'll go get it well on my way in I see this guy walking out he's got a hat on backwards got Timberland boots on and he had a black t-shirt that said God man's on it and uh he just points at me and he goes brother Jesus loves you. Amen. And uh, <laughs> it was funny because I was just like, I know he does, yeah. you know, and that yeah. was my exact response. And uh, then we started talking and his testimony was similar. You know, yeah. he had done uh, a lot of drugs and just lived a crazy life. And yeah. he wrote about it in the book. His name is Brian Mojica. Yeah. Um, and, you know, God bless him because he was wow. the uh, he was the person that the Lord used to bring me. Yeah, you know, catalyst. And, uh, Absolutely. yeah. And, uh, basically everything's kind of history from there. Right. Um, and I'm not going to say that it's been a completely non bumpy road. Yep. Um, you know, I got clean completely. And then, uh, if I'm just being completely honest, uh, for about a year or so, I kind of couldn't even tell you why, but I started drinking again mm -hmm. and drinking really was never my thing. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It's not good for the Crohn's at mm -hmm. all. Um, and this is really where Jesus, and his wife Wanda and leaving the streets came in because I met them basically the first time I went to church and yes. something about him. I knew that, you know, this was going to be a brother of mine. I, I just knew it. Yeah. Um, and we had worked a little bit together, you know, before I started drinking, but I started drinking and, uh, you know, he was real with me and was yeah. like, brother, we're here to help you you know, but you can't do this. And, and I'm not going to have you doing that. Like it was just real with me, you know, yeah. and uh, I needed that. And it was the first time I think that I was able to receive it the way that the Lord intends you to yeah. receive counsel, you yeah. know, when you can trust the person and they're just trying to help you, not Amen. dog on you, you know, and an addict, I think it's always very quick to think that somebody's trying to tear at you, oh, heck you yeah. know, yeah. even if they're mm -hmm. trying to help, mm -hmm. you know, you can't see it. What do they want from me? Right. What's this costing me? Right. No. Where is this going? Yep. How's it going to end? <laughs> so some of the things that um, I just want to kind yeah. of go back on. So the Crohn's disease, age 14. Yeah. 
before that, were you an addict? Or no, um, because you mentioned that you used the pills to help yeah. the pain. And did anyone educate your mom on the pills that they were giving you of what that it could cause addiction? No, to be honest. So uh, the first part of the question, I wasn't an addict. I did dabble in drinking a little bit and yeah. I did smoke weed and, you know, uh, kind of like 12, 13 years old, you know, just kind of the little uh, behind the bowling alley type stuff. You yep. know? Yeah. Um, but no, there, there was no education on the doctor's part. Right. To, let my family know what was going to happen, what could happen. Um, and I think realistically, and I could be wrong as far as the time frame, but I'd say there was a good 10, 15 year span where doctors didn't care to educate us on yeah. opioids. They right. were, if I'm not mistaken, they were being paid bonuses to yes, push it, absolutely. you know, so that wasn't their priority. And, you know, my mother just cared to see me feel better. You right. know, she was trying everything in her power. I mean, I'll never forget <laughs> being 14 sitting on the toilet i mean there's nothing more embarrassing than having anybody next to you when you're going to the bathroom yeah. and my mother had to come in because nothing would come out yeah. basically and uh except for just horrendous blood and yeah. i remember at that age you know my my oldest son's 14 now you right. know? so it's it's crazy kind of for me to see because i never thought i would you know um but to be a parent to a 14 year old, it gives me some perspective on what she went through from yeah. not just my perspective, but hers, you know, yeah. I remember her praying to God, you know, let me take it from him. I mean, she was in, it, it was, it was an intense moment, you right. know? So for her, I don't think she cared. She just wanted to see something change, right. you know? So Mary Mac Valley Prevention Substance Abuse Project, one of the big things that like we're pushing is to educate parents because yeah. e even my partner at work, she comes from an amazing family and got addicted because of an injury or yeah. um, something that she had happen to her and no one did the education. So we're really like pushing um, to meet with families that sign their kids up for yeah. sports. Right. You know, like, are you aware that if your child breaks the bone, that they're possibly going to offer something in the hospital that could give them addiction and look at the environmental, look at the, the genetics yep. and, and look at the possibility that you're giving someone something that they could become addicted to that movie dope sick yep. does the whole, holy crap. Yep. Like I, I can't watch it all the way through because I'm so, yeah, I've lost a lot of people because of what that industry has done, you know? So, Absolutely. uh, and that's why I wanted to piggyback back on yeah. that. And then that moment when you called out to God, like, hey, if you're real, that's my moment. Like I was um, on my hands and knees and I said, like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. Someone's going to die. I'm going to kill someone or I'm going to die. And I said, if you are so real, not only do you have to show me, stop me from using yeah. You got to show me how to live. And that yeah. was October 16th, 1987. And I haven't wow. touched anything since, you know, but it was that sincere hands and knees cry. God help me. And he hears us. He hears he us the whole time. I think oh, how many miracles we missed because we were right. annihilated. Oh, like how oh. many things did we walk so by? Many. Like you don't just get sober and good things happen. Yeah, they no. were happening the whole time. They we were just them. too inebriated yeah. to understand and to see them. And so. it's sad not to totally kind of, yeah. bring it to a different place but it's sad that there's people today 
not even just addicts. It's sad that there's people that aren't addicts that are living that way, yeah. missing the miracles and the yes. blessings because yeah. they're just so caught in what this world has for negativity. Yeah. That, you know, you're addicted. I mean, they're addicted to negativity. Yes, you know, absolutely. They don't even absolutely it. agree. So, They'll watch the news 24 yeah. seven and, and yeah, and it's just such a dark place and they all got to understand like the world's ending soon. So buckle up people. Get your I Bible. said that in one yeah. of the preaching though. Yeah, because I just kept seeing so many people watching others. Yeah, I said, and the more you watch others, you can miss out what God's trying to do in your Correct. life. Correct. You know, Correct. and we have to be careful because God will touch me yep. through you. Yeah, through you. You know, the Holy Spirit moves like the wind. You don't know where it's going. That's right. You don't know where it's gonna lead you. Yep. But you gotta be able to take, um, have a teachable heart, like everyone was saying in the beginning. Yeah. And I was given um advice, you know, because I know that. I gotta love them enough to tell them the truth. Yep. You know, I can't yeah. tell you, no, you're doing great, my brother, when I'd see you struggling because I can see the pain in them, but I can also see the fire that he had. Yep. I said, God can do something with you so amazingly, yep. but you gotta be able to receive it, yep. you know, and knowing that I can see the fire that it's like a snowball, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what God did with me. You know, yeah. he took a snowball that was shaped all messed up and he rounded it perfectly. Yeah. And he just released it to the world with fire. Yeah. And that's what I seen yeah. what God was trying to do with everything, you know. Yeah. But I feel like the more you get closer to God, the more negative vibes come into your path. And oh, heck yeah. It's like putting the bullseye yeah. on your back. <laughs> exactly. Satan's coming yep. right at you. So it's a spiritual battle. You yep. got to be ready to fight this. You got to sharpen your word daily. Amen. You got to be ready to fight daily because you don't know what's going to come at you. Amen. The, the enemy knows the word. So you, yeah. so you got to understand that. <laughs> if the enemy knows the word, you're sure going to be shocked. You yes. know what I mean? So, so yep. you have to oh, know God. the word. You got to get into yeah. the word daily to be able to fight back. It's a spiritual battle. That's right. We're going to be ready for it. Also. Amen. Well, and I love what Jesus and his wife wanted to say all the time. Like they're they're the ones that really taught me basically take your mess and turn it into a message. Yes. I mean they say it all the time. <laughs> all you know? the time. And it's so true. Your message, so, your message. Sometimes you're left standing there, you know, and the ones that are blessed enough to have made it out of, you know, a, a life like addiction. Yeah. Um, you may be left standing there like, you know, I think you start off needing to be busy. But then busy yep. becomes it's not enough no more. Yep. You know, busy needs to turn into a purpose. Yeah. You know, and when you end up with that purpose, you know, it uh it changes everything for yeah. you. And then at least in my situation, through leaving the streets ministry, Jesus and his wife and, and the whole system of brothers and sisters that basically is what makes up leaving the streets. Yeah. Um, yeah, you mess. Turn it into a message. Amen. You and know, it was a powerful message you shared tonight. <laughs> I just you. want to look to see if there's anyone talking to us on the screen. Yeah. So, um, Phil Leahy, hi, Paul, always tune in. David Spencer's stories from heaven, present from sobriety, strength of pain. Glad we are not alone anymore. Keep doing the work, even us dinosaurs. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And also, if there's anyone that wants to call in and talk to these gentlemen throughout the show or ask a question, you can always reach us at 978-659-0072. Um, hi, Turtlehead. And uh, so call if you want to ask these gentlemen some questions. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Jesus. I know you were on my show before. Um, Louis Diaz first introduced us. And um and I know you have a powerful message um, from the streets into gangs into starting this ministry with you and your beautiful wife. And uh, yeah. you're having a huge impact on the city of Haverhill. And I know yeah. I'm 
share a little bit about your experience, strength, and hope, and then um, tell us a little bit about what that has done for the city of Haverhill in regards yeah. to crime rates. Amen. Um, for me, it's, um, you know, it all started with my house, my yeah. household. You know, yeah. um, my mother was a drug dealer. Yep. So it wasn't my father, you know, so I grew up in a, in a home, um, always watching out the window, looking out for cops, you know, and yep. my mom used to pay me money to always look out, you know, and so at age eight, nine years old, as early as I can remember, <clears throat> she used to, she used to hand me drugs to go bring to the doors as people came in, you know, mm -hmm. so I would serve them at a young age. And I'm like, I, I really didn't understand the movement of money, you know, yeah. until I needed things in the stores and stuff like that. So as my mom was showing me, um, she would hand me drugs to go bring to the door. I never, I saw a good woman. I said, wow, I never got to work. You know, this is awesome. This is easy. <laughs> this is <know>? easy. <laughs> yeah. So I would always hear guys complaining, like teachers in school and, and just, um, in the streets, you know, how hard they had to work. And I used to just see um, all this fun movement of money coming in. But and then my mother, um, she fell into the drug addiction. She got hooked on the drugs and um, it got bad. You know, it got bad where we had, she had all types of different addicts watching us, you know, um, we didn't even know who they were. She would leave for months. Hmm. She would take off and we would just take care of ourselves. You know, we we would wake up to like an empty Christmas tree on Christmas. You hmm. know what I mean? And I made myself a promise. Um, I've, I've even been telling my sister this. We just passed away due to drinking um, last year. And I said, um, I'm going to always make sure that we always wake up to Christmas gifts. Amen. So I started selling drugs on my own, you know. Uh -huh. I started hustling and I hustled hard, you know, and yeah. when my mom was coming back and she was giving me drugs to bring to the door, that's when I started at that time first because I didn't know how to get drugs, you know, right. I was like 10 years old. So I started taking out of each bag she would give me and create my own bags. Yeah. And that's when I started hustling, you know, so I started that criminal mentality, how she used to do her dealers, you know, and that's how I started learning and hustling. And um, so um, I got into do some... I got introduced to the block and I started going to the blocks. It was all flooded with gangs, you know, so I went out there and just started really hustling. And this one guy really took me in like a son, you know, and he said, as soon as I got your back, you know, and staying out here with us, but you got to make me one promise. And I said, what's that? He's like, you got to make sure you never join the gangs. Mm. And I said, you're the leader of the gang. <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, but I never want for you what I had for myself. I was forced into this yeah. and I can see you are too, but I want to show you a new rhythm. I want to show you the bad things of what gangs got to offer, not the good things that people lie to you and yeah. like the way they lie to me. Yeah. They said, everything is good. We'll give you money. We'll take care of you. We'll buy you clothes, sneakers, anything you need. Yeah. And um, But all that comes with a price because yeah. it's going to be a time that they're going to ask you to do something and you're not going to want to do it. And when you don't do it, they become your enemies. Yeah. You know, and um, so I want to prepare you for that. And you're a tough kid. I always see you fighting in school. And, you know, here, I was always known for fighting in the streets yep. because um, I had so much rage towards my mom that, like, I hated her with a passion, you yep. know, because I was always getting removed to DCF. Every time we got raided, I would get removed to a foster care. Um, so I had so much rage for police officers and I had so much rage with, um, with my parents because they kept removing me. But as I got older, I come to find out that 
what the police officers were doing was taking me to a safe environment. Yeah. And I didn't understand that though. How you take me to a safe environment where you're removing me from my home, you know? And it was due to the life that my mom was living. So um, then um, I kept running away and they put me into uh, BYS detention center at 12, age 12. Um, I got committed when I was 18 and I had even more rage. So oh, God, as soon yeah. as I walked in, if I said, first guy that asks me a question, I'm knocking him out. You yep. know? And yeah. that's how it was. You know, the guy was like, hey, where you from? I knocked him out. I was from <laughs> Boston. Course. But I said, I've always seen movies of how people took advantage of kids in jail. I said, that's not happening. You know, and yep. I always have to prove a point. You know, so I always prepare to fighting for war every day, mm -hmm. just the way I was taught to the guy who brought me up. And when I was in, in DYS, I, I got introduced um, to the gangs, you know, so I joined it. And um, I said, you know what? I'm never gonna have somebody in the gang tell me what to do. I wanna make sure that I'm calling shots. I wanna make sure that mm -hmm. I'm doing it because I don't want any, anyone to tell me to do something that they're not gonna go and do with me, you know? Right. Um, and it was like that. Um, a lot of people joined the gangs because they need a shield to stand behind. Because yep. then, um, they either got that personal beef or personal, or personal um, war in the streets, you know. So it, it, Did the me, gentleman that you promised you weren't going to know that you joined the gang? When I got released. He, he, <laughs> oh, great. He, he wasn't happy. And um, he tells me, and I joined the same gang he was in, you know. Um, I don't mention the name because of that's respect. Um, but that, to me, was my family. Yeah. You know, that's the feed. That's my family that brought me up, you know. But that's and, what yeah. bring, draws the kids in. It, it makes is. you, gives you a family. It gives yeah. you that someone wants me yeah someone needs me it's that care it is you know what i'm saying they it call is. me up just to say how you doing bro you all right you know yeah. just, to, just to see how you doing you know yeah. and um and we got really close you know and we got close we started uh doing crime together we started joining um kept going in and out of jail so after i came off of prison um i finally seen him and he says um he says i heard all about it he was like i'm not happy but he's like i love you like a son i know I know that you're a solid brother, but always remember that the ones you're solid to ain't always going to be solid to you. Yeah. So you got to understand that and be your own man, you know? So I just, um, I kept moving forward and I finally get home and my, my mom says, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a bigger joint dealer than you ever was. Yeah. And the, that was my goal, you know? And by the time I was 16, I achieved that. I was selling to her dealers. I was selling to her. I was... 16 years old, had five cars, I had my own place. I was just okay. on a roll for Stripe, you know, and um, I had one mission, and that was to continue buying guns, getting okay. all the guns I can get to keep me safe and always get me something to get home. Because okay. back then, we was at a racial war between Asians and Hispanics. Yep. So it was like war on site. It didn't matter if we was in courts, didn't matter where we was. When we seen each other, it wasn't even a gang thing. It was a race thing. Yeah. That it was like, it was just war, you yeah. know, uh, where they had to even separate the courts. You know, that's how bad it was getting. Right. Like we would fight in the court. <laughs> you know, it was that bad, you know. And yeah. um, I was known for that. You know, I was known that when they see me, they knew that I was on site. There was no questions asked. Yeah. I would do it. You know, my Corey speaks for itself. I have 98 charges on my record, you yeah. know, from just going in and out since I was 12. But I knew that um, I wanted to send a message always. You know, you touch one of mine, I'm going to touch 30 of yours. You know, mm -hmm. and that's how it was. You know, when every time one of them would die, we would raid their... Um, funeral homes the weights and yeah. flip over the casket it was like it was like serious war you know at yeah. that age and um 
then it was just amazing the way I just kept going to jail and kept coming out. Which is, I, I just kept getting bigger bits, you know? Yeah. But to me, I felt home when I was in jail. Yeah. I felt at peace. Yep. That was my safe zone. You had it's regulation. Yeah. You had time to get up, time yeah. to eat, time to shower. So you yeah. had a schedule. I did. And you know what? It's it, it's crazy. But when every time I got released, the I had a captain come up to me. He said, Jesus, I got a lot of respect for you. He's like, you're a knucklehead with the with, uh, community in the prisons. But you always treat us with so much respect. He's like, you carry yourself with a lot of respect. And as young as you are, your mind's like you're 40 yeah. because of the way you've been brought up yeah. since, since a young age. And every time you get released, he tells, I will, I will forget this. He says, um, you never give away your property. He said, you always tell us to hold your property because you'll be back. And I always came back. I said, I'll be back in like six months. All my stuff. <laughs> and they were, oh and they, God. and they had a lot of love for me because they knew that's how I was. Yeah, I wasn't in denial. I said, listen, I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna sell drugs. I'll be back in six months. Yeah, you know, and I'll start hustling from jail. You know, <laughs> and I would send money to my family from prison. You know. Yeah. And it was like that. I would go to jail with drugs. And sell the drugs in the yes. prison and have them write PO boxes. Oh and that's how God. I would feed. That's how, like, my mind was so institutionalized. That's just how I lived my life. You yeah. Know? And um, it was always in that movement on how can I get away. I used to draw, I used to stay in my room and draw blueprints on how can I sell drugs next time and not get caught. Yeah. How can I do it and not get caught? But and then the worst thing in my life happened to me. Um, 2004, my daughter passed away since. That day I became an addict. Yeah. That's the day I started using. That's the day I just started. I just lost it. I went to war with the world. Yep. And when I went to war, I had a lot of people following me because now I'm the leader of the game. So now I'm I'm going to war with whoever, and I was just losing it. I just, I didn't have the courage enough to take my own life, but I wanted somebody else to. Yep. And I was ready for it. So yep. every time we went on a mission and went to war, I was up front, ready to go to war. You know, and I would go through it by myself. I wouldn't even... 90% of the time I was on my own, ready to go to war. I, I didn't need backup. You know, yeah. that's just who I was. You know, I was known for that. Where people in my own crew were like, oh, you got to relax, man, you know, because you're, you're up here. So you got to, I said, nah, I won't be in that fire, you know. And um, and I just wanted someone to take me out, you know, yeah. and um, because I had so much pain that I didn't know how to deal with it with my kids. So I would do so much coke and I would do like a half ounce a day Jesus. by myself. Right? I was doing like a gram in a line. Right. I don't know how I'm still alive, you know. Right. Then Thank um you, dealing with dealing with the pain. Um yeah. I wasn't feeling it no more. Yep. Then I started uh, um I got introduced to a friend of mine to dope and I started doing dope. Uh I picked up four charges and I just bought some new um new identifications, got a new ID took off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when, when when I get caught, right, they say I had ten warrants with different names. Yes. So the judge is like, who the heck are you? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, we have it. Zeus Ruiz, Zeus Figueroa, Tito Nunes, and it was the law. I said, I'm the first one. Yeah. And she was like, um, fingerprint him downstairs. I said, like, we can't fingerprint him. And so the police officer says that to the judge. And they're like, why not? They're like, his fingerprints. He did something to his fingers where his fingerprints only comes down, only comes back 54%. 
it's got to be 67 for it to be accurate. Yep. So I used to scrape my hands on cements, yep. on the cement that was scraped with blood. And when they grow back, they grow back differently. So yep. you put battery battery acid in your hands <laughs> so, so that we can't get fingers. Kids, don't do this at home. <laughs> yes, don't, do not do this at home. Um, I, I, I paid for this today, you know. And um, so they couldn't fingerprint it. So they had to send someone to take my blood and find out yep. what it was. So they had to send me back to the jails until they found out who I was. So I went into jail. So I was in there in a foster name, you know. Um, and when I go into the now I'm in the county jail, I'm no longer juvenile detention, but they messed up because the fake name I gave said I was 18, but I was really 16. So oh, they had me in a men's shit. jail as a kid, you know. <laughs> so when they my blood came back, like five COs ran, get him out of here, he's just a kid. Yeah, they took God. me out. And I was in there with a whole bunch of my cousins. I was so comfortable. <laughs> I was like, they're like, yo, it was like, we got to get you out of here. They back to juvenile detention center. Then they found out who I was, you know. And then um, they had, I came out on the bracelet yep. uh, for like 90 days. And I told my wife, I said, listen, I'm going on a run. They're telling me I can't smoke weed. That's not happening. Right. <laughs> so I, my sister had a, a chihuahua. So I said, hold him. I'm going to take the brace. I'm going to put him on his neck. I just let him go. <laughs> so when you open the door on my sister's house, he would take off. Right. So, but I have like a 60 minute window to get out the house. Yeah. So, but I had two, four screws around the bracelet and my brothers are helping me unscrew it at the same time. <laughs> my sister's got the tape around her with the dog. <laughs> Take that on the dog. She opens the door. He goes running. The cops are chasing the dog for five hours. You know, but they didn't know it was the dog. <laughs> so I was able to get away to Holyoke. So I take off the Holyoke and I'm going to run there. That's when I got introduced. So Holyoke was like the heroin pandemic. Oh, big time. You know, so that's where I got introduced to that. And I was out there really um, just going to war with the gangs, you know, and um, living in that stage, living in that hurt and that bitterness with, with my kid, you know. Um, then I remember one day, I was in the sidewalk and I just dropped. I picked my hands up and dropped. I never believed in God because mm -hmm. of my daughter. I had so much rage. I said, this is God, this it yep. wouldn't be for me. You know, um, so when for, I, I'm walking on Main Street in Holyoke and I just dropped to my knees and I said, if you are real, mm -hmm. take me, get me out of this misery, you know, and two minutes later I got arrested. <laughs> said, um, <laughs> so that was God's way on saving me. Yeah. And he reached to me to my wife. My wife was a Christian, doing Amen. her thing and praying for me for years. And I remember they used to give me a Bible. I used to throw it. I used to be like, I am God, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. I, so I get out of prison and um, I'm working. I'm working on my recovery. Um, but I did the recovery without God. Yeah. And I failed. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't go back to use and I was sober. I'm still sober today, thanks God, since um, August 12th. Um, August 12, 2012, Amen. you know, and I never used again. And I came out and just, um, but it was different because I went back to jail because I couldn't, I I got my recovery in order, but not my criminal thinking. Yeah. My criminal thinking was still active, you know? Yeah. And um, so they put me in a restaurant, which restaurants are high rates are known for addicts. Yes. So they got me cooking, <laughs> the waitresses are all using, they're like, yeah, um, so on Friday, I just got released some stone waste. They're like, we have to go and pick up some an eight ball. We're paying three fifty for it. I said, Why are you a better deal than that? So that's when I that's when the criminal thinking came back. Yeah. And that's when I started hustling. Yeah. So you can be sober yeah. and your criminal thinking can be active. 
Yeah, I so tell gotta, everyone just because you use soap doesn't mean you're clean. Yes, right? exactly. And, and, and that's like my and, biggest thing. Yeah. Until you change the mind, yes. like this is like the city of Lawrence. You don't yeah. go in unarmed. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and you don't go in and my armor is the Lord. You yeah. know? Amen. Yeah. But you can't do it without God. You know, I tried it and failed. Yeah. And when I went back to jail, I was hyper. I mean, I'm happy, be, hyper and hyper and happy because I wasn't using. Yeah. My mugshot didn't look like like Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. You know, normally like, my hair's hey. a mess. <laughs> you know how it is when we're at it. We think we're beautiful. Yeah. You know, we um, <laughs> we don't get it because we're a mess. We're so yeah. blocked. We're so numb. You know. And when I'm looking at the mugshot, I said, "Wow, I came in with cornrows, looking all right." You yeah. know, and um. <laughs> And I go in, and um, so I went back to prison, and um, they wanted to give me 24 to 30 years. Holy shit. For Because uh, now I'm no longer an addict. Now I'm no longer just a gang member. Yeah. Now I was a big drug dealer who was selling to over 30 different gangs yeah. where I blew up on money. I was making like 50 grand yeah. easy a week, you know, and, and I was transporting everywhere, you know. And yeah. um, I just, um, I flooded it with just, I'm buying, I'm, I'm buying bold cars, multiple cars, jewelry. Because I had so much money, I didn't know to do it, you know. And but I felt empty with mm -hmm. everything I had. Mm -hmm. I had everything I could ever want for, but I felt empty. So every time I would go home, my wife would be like so mad because she knew the world that I was living. Yeah. So I said, "Listen, I gotta hire a lawyer." And um, my wife was like, "For what? You got arrested?" I said, "No, but I'm having flashbacks of cell doors opening and shutting." <laughs> So I know I'm going. So I gotta yeah. be prepared yeah. for when I get there. I gotta make sure I always got like five balloons on me, ready to swallow. <laughs> oh, so I God. like my. I'm ready. I'm preparing to go to prison. Yeah. And uh, so I go to this lawyer. Um, his name was Steven Rappaport, mm -hmm. one of the most respected lawyers in in Mass. Um, very expensive. And so I tell him, he's like, "Where's the court papers? I, said, I don't have court papers. I haven't been arrested yet." So he thought it was crazy. You know, yeah. he's like, "I've heard it all, kid." He was like, "But never anything like this." I said, "Listen." Um, I live a life that I'm going to go to jail. And when I go, I just want you to come get me. You know, come do what you got to do to get me a good deal. And uh, so he thought, he's like, listen, man, here's, um, here's my number, here's my information. So I already had that in the role. So when I hired the lawyer, the next day I go to jail. <laughs> the very really? next day. So I go to prison and um, that was my first off the first day. I got indicted on my second on my second court date. Normally, you don't get indicted for years. Right. I had my arraignment. They said, bring them back tomorrow. They yeah. brought me back tomorrow, got indicted. They oh, wanted me to send me because they said, you've beaten so many of your cases that I don't even know how. But every time I went to jail, I would study the law because I never, I, I, I would be in the library studying the law book because I didn't trust my attorneys. Yep. So I will find out what they can use around me, what they can. I'll find out discoveries, the stuff they had on me, yep. the stuff they used on, on me that they wasn't supposed to. They lost evidence. That should have got dismissed. They didn't have probable cause. So I was doing my homework yep. because I, I I believed in my freedom. And I know that I'm going to I'm gonna work harder on me than the attorneys that yep. we had. Cause they only see you for an hour and right. that's all they're working on you is that one hour you yeah. know so i had to do my own homework and i did so i beat a lot of my charges you know i even had a judge tell me kid stop getting arrested uh, and study uh, to be an attorney you defend <laughs> yourself because i defended myself I a lot of times you know did but you I, ever at one point think i should no but i wanted to use that for <laughs> criminal thinking i said i yes. can be good at this <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's what it was like i knew i was very very intelligent um Streetwise, yeah, I was very smart, you know, and yeah. I know what the law book made me even smarter because yeah. it showed me the things they can do and the things we can't. I said, Really, 
a convicts got more rights than actual police officers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so we gotta really use this to our advantage. So I'm so so I'm in prison, and um, I said, um, my wife sends me a Bible verse that says a woman can be as sweet as caramel or as poisoning as a snake, and I felt like someone slapped me in my face. You know, I mm-hmm. felt like that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. You know, and I got so mad. Cause I don't read the Bible, so I got so mad. So. Now I'm in Waffle State Prison. So I'm in a gang block, 23 hour lockdown, one hour for recreation. So I go see a friend of mine that was in the doing life. I said, listen, I need a Bible. He's like, he was a Christian. He's like, you don't believe in God. What you want a Bible for? <laughs> I said, listen, my wife sends me a di- she sent me a disrespectful verse. And I want to send it back. He's like, dude, what, what verse is that? So I told him. He said, dude, that's not this no disrespectful verse is the Bible, you know. Yeah. Uh, so when he gave me the Bible, it shocked me. Yep. It like electrocuted my whole body yep. where I dropped it. Then um, he said, pick it back up. So I pick it up and I go in my room. And as I'm going in, the correction officer, he was right behind the booth. And um, I said, hey, how long are I going to be in this game block? I was only there two days. He said, you're going to be here for two years, ticket free. If you get any violation or any fights, he's like, it goes up longer, you know. Yeah. Um, he's like, and when you're wrecking in the prisons, he's like, I don't think that's going to happen. So I go inside. And I start reading the Bible. Um, in I'm drinking coffee, black coffee to stay up because I couldn't stop reading. Yeah. Because I'm hearing all these testimonies on what God's doing in people's life. I said, and why is my life such a mess? Yeah. Why why am I such a disappointment and a disaster? Everything I'm going through in life, but he's blessed so many people through these testimonies. Yeah. I think so I got angry. And um, so I read the Bible for two days. So I took the Bible and I slammed it. I slammed it on the desk. And I'm in a single cell, so I yell up and I say, um, if you truly are a living God, yeah. get me out of this cell today and I'll leave everything and follow you. And I said, I don't even want to go home. Just get me out of here, yeah. out of this cell. Show me you exist. Show me something. Yeah. Or oh, everything that I'm reading now is fake. And as I'm saying that, my, I was like filled with rage. So 15 minutes later, a captain comes right to my door, knocks at my door. He says, so I'm looking through the glass and I see the captain coming towards me. I said, ah, it's probably a legal mail or something because the captain normally brings a legal mail in or a white shirt. And um, so he comes to, um, up to my door. He says, Jesus, pack it up. And I said, what do you mean pack it up? He said, I'm getting you out of this block. And I just started crying. I broke down. He moved me into another block where he put me in with a roommate where my roommate was a pastor. Amen. And I just telling him, um, I'm telling him what happened to me, and I'm crying, I'm in tears, and so I had to make a decision. Um, I said, tomorrow's not going to be a good day for me. He's like, why? He's like, because in, in the state prisons, everything is separated by tables. Yep. You know, like they have the gang tables, they got another gang tables, and they got the Christian tables, you know. So I said, I'm going to my gang table to let them know that I'm done. You know, um, he's like, what do you mean? I said, um, God just proved me that he's real, yeah. that he works. So I'd rather stand with God and be judged by the world than to stand with the world and be judged by God. Amen. I got to do something different, yeah. you know, something new. And um, I know that every decision I've made, I have failed in it. Yeah. But I know that his worst decisions is never going to compare to my best. So I want to try his way. But first, I got to get out the gangs. And um it can go either way. So I was ready, you know, I was ready for whatever happened to happen. So I go to the chow hall and I stand on the table and 
And I said, listen, I'm done. You guys know me. I love you, brothers. And I said, but I just had a powerful spiritual awakening. And I want to follow God now. What you want to do? And a guy got up. That was in second command to me. And um, like, Jesus, we love you, bro. We know you. If you want to follow God, you've done 16 in jail, 16 years in jail. So if you want to follow God, follow God. If you ever need us, we got your back. He gave me Amen. a hug. When I got up, three other guys got up with me and walked out. Amen. They said because they were underneath me and ran with me for so yeah. many years, you know, and um, then I was done, you know. So I just started, I just started um, praying. I started knowing that a lot of people were in pain. And I felt someone telling me, look up scriptures and find out what people are going through and leave it on their mattress. And that's what I would do. So I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go for a divorce. My wife is tireless. She can't take it. So I would look up scriptures on marriages and I'll leave it. The other guy, he, he, I'm here lost somebody in his life and I'll leave scriptures. And we just, it, it became a Bible study. And Amen. we just started doing it in the middle of a dorm. And um, so he's like, how do we start it? I said, I don't know. I said, I said this is all new to me. I said, but let's start with the New Testament. Because somebody said, when yeah. we start reading the Bible, start with the new, not the old. Correct. You know, because a lot of things that was in the old doesn't apply to the new, you yeah. know, so it's different. So that's when uh, I just started reading. I started writing to colleges, um, Bible colleges. I said, help me to understand the Bible. Colleges were sending me, schools were sending me books from all over yeah. on dictionaries on how to know that. So I just started taking tests and I became a minister through printed ministries and Amen. I just started preaching. Um, was able to get a couple brothers baptized and then I just had the hunger to, to go after kids that were being blinded by gangs. Yeah. And I wonder because I know I was blinded as well when I was there, you know, yeah. but sometimes we didn't we don't have a choice. We're forced into that world, you yeah. know. And what I learned is when somebody comes out of prison, especially being gang affiliated, you have a two week window to get it. Because in two weeks, if you don't got a job or you don't got something lined up, you go back to what you know. Right. You know, so I just started passing out resources. My wife were find resources from everywhere and, yeah. and we just started reaching out to the broken yeah. and um so we asked um an organization in Haverhill called um common grounds and, yeah, um, yeah we love common grounds yes so so i asked them to allow us to use a room yeah. for one day a week and they let us use it um, on saturdays but in the matter of a week it went from five people to 80 and it just blew up you know Amen. um and there was a big crowd of just Young adults, gang members, you know, yeah. and so, that want to leave, that want to know how to leave, or just they just wanted help, okay, you know, because they were homeless, they were couch surfing, they were really okay. going through it. So, some of them were active addicts, some of them were just active in gangs, yeah. So, I said, I gotta get these guys jobs, I gotta get them working, yeah. you know. Um, so my wife would find out resources, and um, I said, let's start doing a job orientation. My wife organized it, so we had about 34 guys from the job orientation job orientation from all different gangs yeah. we have blood scripts like kings outlaws gds yeah. folks and um when i had them all in the room the lady who was there to give us the jobs was like she was terrified yeah these guys got tattoos on their face yeah. that says it's saying f you about the other gang yeah. so they're all they're ready to go to war right. you know in the room so i wasn't there yet while yeah. everybody was there so my wife's like you gotta get here like now right. you know so I go in, and right before I go in, I just prayed, and I said, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Because this can turn out anyway. So I go in. Everybody gets, oh, Jesus, what's up? You know, so we start talking, and I start, the Holy the Holy Spirit led me into a message of the enemy. Yep. So I just start preaching on the enemy. I said, there's an enemy that you see him as your enemy, or you see him as your enemy. Yeah. But this one 
that wants to see you fail, that wants to see that don't want to see you succeed. And he's he breaks up anything that is good. Yep. And what is good is unity. But sometimes you have beef with him. Well, I got beef with you, but we don't even know where the beef's coming from. Yep. The beef happened 20 years ago. It has nothing to do with us today. Yep. But we still do it because we're being told what to do by man. What happened 20 years ago has nothing to do with you at all. That's it's right. not even your beef. 90% of these dramas and these beefs in the streets with gangs, they yeah. don't even know what it's for. Right. But they're already joined the gang. Go attack them. We got war with them. You don't even know why you're fighting. No I said, but at the end of the day, nobody cares about you more than you. No one's going to go and do the time. It's all fun and games until you're facing 20 years or over. So you got to understand that. And you got to know about what are you fighting for. So I said, I want to create my own war. In my own war, it's against the enemy. It's a spiritual Amen. battle. That that's the war I go with. Yep. I wake up and give the enemy a black eye every morning. Amen. You know, I'm prepared to be. <laughs> I'm prepared to go to war. Yep. A fight against an enemy that wants to see you fail, doesn't want to see you succeed. Yep. But greater is the one that lives in you than he who lives in the world. Yes. So you got to understand that we're powerfully built already. Yep. When you arm yourself, Amen. when you protect yourself with the body of armor yep. and protect your mind with the helmet of salvation, because yep. 90% of the time, a lot of the criminal activity comes from the mind. Of a course. lot of our thoughts come to the mind. A lot of bad things that yep. we've been through in the past comes from the mind, but you can either engage in it yep. or you can remove yourself from it. So yep. you got to be ready for that. So my wife and I just, um, we were praying on a name, and the Holy Spirit gave it to my wife, yeah. and it was leaving the streets, you know, it. and, and that it. was the group, and uh, we've been getting awards every year, Amen. you know, every year since we started, um, we broke the record for jobs, you yeah. know, I was awarded as the first the first convicted felon to ever receive money from the state, Amen. Um, I meet with the chief of police every month, you know, yeah. so we get to now. <laughs> Is that Pistone? Pistone, yeah. yeah. I was gonna. I'm gonna ask him to be on the show. He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. He's a big supporter of leaving the streets. Uh, yeah. He says, remember one day he tells me, he says, hey, Zeus, we we had a meeting about you the other day. I said that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so he starts laughing. He's like, no. He's like, um, we decided to give leaving the streets a portion of the Haven Police Department budget. Amen. They said, um, and tell the audience why. Tell them what percent of crime rates have gone oh, down. Oh, the crime rate. They said a um, message that the crime rate has dropped thirty three percent. Because huge. because of 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 the work that leaving the streets was doing. You know, there's a lot of kids that were at war. Every time there was actually a riot where that was ready to form against police officers yep. because of a death that happened, yep. and they reached out to us to go and um. He reached out to the family and they asked us if we, if we needed some cruisers to come. I said, no, nah, we're good. You know, so my wife and I went and just started praying for the families and the, and the family just um, started trusting in God. Right. I said, sometimes there's a lot of people that are hurting, but sometimes you have an officer that will come and speak to the families without a care in his heart. And that creates problems. Big that time. creates war. You gotta have love to do outreach. That's why not every officer can do outreach. Yep. Your heart's gotta be in it. Your heart's yep. gotta be for the people. You know, yep. you're here to protect and serve. So when you don't gotta care in your heart, that creates problems. Yep. Just like when I, I was just at the Shannon meeting um yesterday, no, Wednesday, and um there was mentioning that when what happens, they do follow us because every time somebody's being released from prison. They notified the police department. Correct. I said, but what happens when you already got of of information of two guys being released, known as very high risk, known as having firearms, known as drug dealing? You don't know where they're at, but there you're already in front of their door watching them. Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. I got followed for two years. These are following me everywhere, and um, so I started. I started. Uh, 
I, and I was telling my wife, I, I keep speeding, but I don't get pulled over. It's not, it's not, it's not something <laughs> about that, you know? So I started, the, I started this uh, business called Charlisa's Quick Delivery. Yep. And it was to deliver food for multiple restaurants. Nice. So the officers were parked because I had like four different drivers working with me. So I would, they would pull up in front of my house. And you see the cruiser like 20 feet away from us. And all you see me is passing them bags. <laughs> <laughs> passing them big bags of food. Right. They would get off the car. Oh, them, good. Because they didn't right. know what it was, but it was food. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it was so funny. Um, so um, I get an email from the mayor. And the mayor says, um, Never met the mayor, and uh, he says, "I would like to meet you. I would like to. I would like for you to be part of the mayor's gang task force. Amen. And I want to put you in the head of the table for that." Yep. So I said, uh, "I didn't even answer back." I said, "Honey, this sounds suspect. I think a secret indictment popped up or something. I'm definitely going back to jail <laughs> because the mayor wouldn't reach out to me. You know, right. I'm a convicted felon, 98 times, just came out of prison. I said, no, nah, something's wrong.'" So I had guys who told me, hey, Zeus, don't go, don't go. Your record's crazy. Yeah. This is a setup. And I said, um, I said, now nah, I prayed, you know, and the Holy Spirit said to go, you know. And um, so I went. I prayed and I got the confirmation and told me to go. Um, so I went. I said, huh? So whatever happens, happens. Then um, when I get in, it was a big conference table, huge, biggest table I've ever seen in my life that um, had. Pistone was there, yeah. but he wasn't the he chief, wasn't yet. chief he yet. He wasn't the chief yep. yet. He was, he was uh, the, only the his first captain. year right now. Yep. It's amazing. And um, then you have, um, I think it was Roth. It was he. He was like the the acting chief after the first chief left. And yep. um, so him, a couple of deputies. There was the mayor, the mayor's chief of staff, uh, community development, uh, a few people from from city hall. You had UTech Boys and Girls Club, um, YMCA, YW. So I go in and um, they say, Zeus, sit right here. So the mayor sits me right next to him, right? And, um, and I'm just looking at Pistone. Pistone's just one of those guys that really looks like a threat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just a big, serious <laughs> army military look. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're just looking at each other. And he comes up to me, shakes my hand, and said, this is suspect. I'm definitely going to arrest him. <laughs> so that's all that kept coming to my mind. And um, when... He gets up and says, he's like, listen, we have a gang problem. Kids are getting shot. Yeah. Um, but all we see out there is Jesus in the streets, praying for people, praying. He's in the worst neighborhoods, in gangs, in hallways, alone, yeah. by himself, just talking to guys that are active. Yeah. They respect him because of who he was. But that's not who he is today. We see him everywhere. Yeah. And it's, he's a positive movement. Yeah. And it's just him and his wife, you know? Yeah. And we would go and hit the streets together, just us two, you know? Right. She would deal with the girlfriends. I would deal with the guys. And um, I would go in there praying. And the guys were out there selling, you know, doing their thing. It's like, brother, you know where this is going to end? But I'm here to plant the seed to let you know that God loves you. Yeah. And when you're ready to make that change, I'm here for you. Yeah. And that's how we started. I said, here's my two guys just started blowing me up out of everywhere. We didn't have a location. So we're doing everything in the streets, you know? Yeah. And, um... God blessed us and honored us so much because I said, um, I found a place. Um, and when I found the place, I said, I don't know how much it costs us, you know. So I seen the number for the real estate. So I, I called them, then he called back that night, that day. The community development calls me and says, Hey, he's like, I got a call from the mayor. And I said, Oh, sure, here it is. <laughs> you know, he says, 
Community development is Andrew Hurley. He, he's the one that controls the finances for the city. He says, the mayor says to give you whatever you need. And um, I said, what do you mean? He's like, um, we want you to get a location and we're going to back you up. And yeah, um, he's like, I want you to make a sign. Design it. Tell us what you want. The sign. And um, I'll buy it for you. The mayor's going to pay pay for it in full. Get something that really lights up, that's really big and out there. We love the name. And, yeah. Because I was in the in the room talking about leaving the streets, you know, and um, while I'm speaking of them, um, there was a lot of people just complaining about a gang problem. I said, but you, when I was speaking to them, I was talking to Andrew, I said, people, some people felt some type of way in that meeting, except the chief and mayor. They loved me because people were more chasing money than you was chasing hearts. Yeah. Kids are getting shot. Kids are dying from overdoses left and right. Yeah. And you guys are worrying about a funding for next year. Yeah. I said, that's your problem. 90% of the money that you get, you give it to people that don't deserve it. Amen. People that ain't doing nothing in the streets. Right. And that's our problem. So Andy yeah. says, and I guess the mayor, he really loved the way that I spoke to people. You yeah. Know? And it was the truth. You know? I said, city. everything we've done, we've done with no money. Right. And, you know, we put our own into this, my wife and I. So when Andrew told me about the sign, I'm I I go there with I, I'm out there. It's with my daughter, so I'm out there. I I get a uh, I get a a ruler, right? So I'm trying to find out how big is the sign. So I got my <laughs> tape, and my daughter's like, "Dad, you don't even know who owns this." But when I was praying over it, yeah. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, "Give me all that you have, yeah. and I will give you plenty of treasures in Amen. the kingdom of heaven." Amen. So I already made it God's, you know, so I'm taking measurements of the sign. Yeah. My daughter's in the car, cover herself, there's a whole bunch of kids out there. And um, so the next day I get a call from the guy. Yeah. And um, so I, I go to go meet him. And my wife says, um, she's like, you sure you want this? I said, listen, this is not something I want, but it's yeah. something that God's putting in my heart to do. Right. And I'm for him, you yeah. know. And um, so we asked him how much he wanted. He wanted 2500 down. But it had like no ceiling. I had to build a bathroom. The floor was all you go, right? It was beat up. Yeah. And um, so I said, um, you want twenty five hundred? So I asked my wife. I said, how much money I got in the account? We just got a taxes. She's like, you only got the twenty five hundred that you were saving for your truck yeah. to buy a truck. And I said, hey, God said, give me all that you have. So yeah. I said, give it all to them. <laughs> and he gave it to me. And when I signed the lease, we're, we're inside his office signing the lease. My wife's like, huh? How are we gonna pay the rent? I said, I didn't think that far. <laughs> I said, <laughs> so I said, I didn't think that far, but I trust God. Yes. And one thing that I've learned in jail that a guy said, focus on the vision. Yep. Let God focus on the provision. Yep. Um, Amen. So I went and got it. So I get a call from my pastor the next day. Hey, Zeus, I heard about the location. He's like, I want you to come. I'm having a board meeting in the basement of my church. I want you to come to the basement. I said, uh, Pastor, that sounds kind of suspect. He says, what do you mean? He's like, every time I invited somebody to a basement, things didn't end up good. <laughs> Someone left in the yeah. party. Yeah. So he starts laughing. He's like, no, I'm serious. So I go to the basement. They're having a board meeting at New Life Church. You yep. know, um, Pastor Rick Amendola, I love that man. man. And he says, um, we have to give back to the community so much amount you know, yep. of money that we've raised and took for donations. And we have to give back $12,000. 
and we want to give that to leaving the streets for your new location. Amen. That paid the rent for the first year. It was exactly what I needed to pay the rent for the whole year. Wow. And we did construction the whole year. We yep. had remember? We had to build oh, the I bathroom, watched you guys build it. We, yeah. We built it from the bottom up. My wife was over there, um, organized, yeah. setting it up. And I was working at Cardinal Foods. That's still the job I work at today. Right. Um, I'm oh, actually, that's why Baba Gallo, I couldn't figure out how you knew him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my boss. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. I, so he was my bus boy. His right. mom was my boss when I was growing up. We oh, waitressed awesome. with her all my life. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I seen him in the page. Was yeah. Like, he's like, like yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's uh... well, I would oh no, <laughs> but okay. Well, so that's well why. I drove for three years as a yeah. driver, you know, and um as I'm building the center. Yeah. Um, and now um, I got so I kids were getting shot left and right, and yeah. there was OD and there was kids OD on the way. On the way to the center, it was just driving me crazy. And when a kid would call me, Jesus, I need the detox. I would be in in Maine, you know, yep. making a delivery, and I couldn't. And when someone's asking for help, yep. you need to go immediately. Exactly. You can't wait because they'll change their mind. Yep. You know, so they got you got like a twenty minute window to get that kid in the car Amen. and get him into detox. Right. And I was like way far. And and when I told my boss, listen, I got to give up um, calling me foods. I need to really focus on the center, you know, yep. and um. My boss would listen, whatever you need, what do you want? You want more money? We'll give it to you. Yeah. So it's not the money, man. It's uh it's a spiritual thing, man. Yep. You know what I mean? And God's calling me to do this. So I, I didn't even have a plan. He's like, hey, you know that if you want a job, I said, I'll give you a 30 day notice. I trained the driver and he said, if you ever want to come back, we got you back. And Amen. Uh, then they they call me back as assistant manager of Carly Foods. So. Of course. But now is. I get to do the <laughs> now I get to work at night. And because even though Everything we was doing, as you see, everything we do for the for the for the yep. community of Hayro. Yes. Um, it doesn't really take care of my family financially. Yep. You know, it serves the community well. You know, but it um doesn't really pay us. Yep. You know, so we had to um I had to make a decision. So I work overnight. Yep. I'm actually on lunch break right now. Nice. <laughs> so, so I got there at four. I punch in yep. work, and I I have the head manager oversee it until I get back, you Amen. know, um, but they got, uh, they have our back, they hire a lot of the kids we work with, Amen. I get to train them in the, in the, how to stack pallets, get to yep. train them how to do scanning, scan the system, yep. and we get to give them jobs that turns into careers yep. for those who really do the work, we get to teach kids how to drive, yeah. so one thing about calling fools that they don't, they, they don't judge anybody, they Amen. give anybody a shot, it's what, it's what you do with that shot, you know, yep. so it's been, since I came back, we already brought like 15 guys in, some drivers, Amen. some some guys working, and the guys are blessed, these guys, some of these guys are just coming out of prison, and they're doing amazing, you know, right. um, some guys about, and it keeps them from joining the gangs, yes. and starting that lifestyle Amen. again, so that's, and, the, and that's the idea, you know, right. and that's the idea, is to, is to keep getting kids going and fighting. Yep. Last year alone, we finished the year with 287 jobs. That's Amen. 287 kids, off, kids and gangs off the streets. Amen. You know? So, so it keeps us going. Every year we break our record and we keep moving forward. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of kids, so we do changing pain on Friday nights. Yeah. On Friday nights, we have always someone sharing somebody's testimonies yep. or we're sharing some um, powerful messages because kids are dropping, kids are dropping left and right, yeah. and we got to be out there to rescue them. You know, I, I had a kid tell me, Jesus, I don't believe in God, but I believe in you. Yeah. And um, whatever works. He together, says, man. um, so I said to him, he's like, you know, I still hustle. You know, I still, I still sell stuff. He was like, but I said, all right, so. Do you believe in money? He's like, I do. He's like, money to me is my guy. I yeah. said, all right. 
So yeah, can I have how can like that? how can yes. your money have more faith than you? He's like, what do you mean? I said, show me a dollar bill, any dollar bill. Takes out a twenty. He's like, what am I looking for? Read what it says. He says, it says in God we trust. I said, so if you believe in something that has faith in God, how can you not believe in it? <laughs> he was like, holy shoot. <laughs> he was like, but it puts them to think. Yeah. Everything belongs to God. Amen. Doesn't matter what it is. That's right. You know, you might have a vision because of what you got taught from somebody from the world, but the money you're holding, the money you in the money you count on already comes from God. Yep. So if your money already comes from faith, it's already on there. You believe in that. You have a faith that you just haven't understand yet. Yep. You still ain't no one really introduce you to the word of God right. or to God. What can give you life? What can give you healing? It's not man that does that, but it's God. Right. God is the one that rebuilds you. You know, it's just waiting for that transformation to rebuild your heart, yep. to to remove anything that's broken, to remove anything that's in pain, anything that's bitter, to restore with life, joy, and understanding. Yep. But to know that there is one that lives in you that loves you so much and you are so worthy to him, yeah. but you don't know him, yep. you know? And that's the, understand, that's the understanding to have on what's good and what's bad and whether you make the decision because God gives us that free will, yep. you know? So you don't, we owe him, but he don't force you Correct. to love him. You got to do that on your own. Yeah. Now he paid my ransom in full to the blood he shed on the cross. Yep. So I know I can never compare to give him what he's done for me. Yeah. Like, and I noticed one day because I said, wow, God has given me a second chance to get out of jail. He restored my marriage. Yeah. He gave me my wife that holds me accountable, Amen. you know, to everything that I do. Because yeah. behind every man, there's a greater woman. Amen. And we got to understand True and know that, that sometimes <laughs> we got to put our wives behind. Me as a pastor, I say it all the time. I have to put my wife behind the pulpit and let her preach to me. Yeah. And what I had learned is as I was doing outreach, she was getting she was um getting upset with me. She's like, um, I said, Why are you mad? You know, I'm not shooting guns, I'm not with gangs, I'm not in drugs, I'm 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 out there pre preaching and praying for people. She says, Why don't you pray for your family the way you pray for them? Because yeah. your kids miss out on that and so don't I. We waited for you so long and now we don't see you. Yeah. And that hit me so bad. I, I um, I I had a custom made an award, a big glass award that I gave it to her at New Life at the church, um, in front of like three hundred people. So I told my wife, I told my pastor, uh, if he can give me five minutes, and I gave it to her, um, to let her know how much that meant to me, how much she means to me. Yep. But sometimes our wife is in the background taking pictures mm -hmm. of what we're doing in the streets when keeping her out the pictures what let me in prison to begin with. Mm -hmm. Not taking that advice she was giving me because she was giving me advice where I felt she was attacking me. You know, mm -hmm. like like every time she would say something, it would, it would drive me nuts. Yep. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I would get yeah, crazy. Don't correct me. But it yeah. was like, yeah. it was because she knew where I was going. And sometimes when somebody got the life together they know where somebody else is going but they don't got their life together yeah. so i know that um i had to submit i had to receive this but i wanted to do it in front of the whole church Amen. you know and when i did that now i don't make a decision without my wife okay. because i don't take i even got jobs i got offered jobs at a prison yeah they, they even offered me and i was i turned it down Okay. This like why? This is a great job. I said, yeah, but it will take me more away from my family, yeah. and it will take me more away from so much from the ministry that God gave me. Yeah. So, which means I said, sometimes the enemy will use you to try to keep you busy yep. to make you lose focus on what God wants to do in your life. That's right. So sometimes not all money is good money. Yep. It's just like the hustle in life, you know. Not all of it is good. 
Yes. Sometimes they'll give you a little bit of money, but they expect something in return, you know? <laughs> so, we, so we had to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Amen. Yeah, so my wife does a very powerful group. Hey, Wanda. We love her. She's I mean, she's the best. Yep. Um, She inspires women Amen. that lost their kids through PCF, through drug addiction. Yep. Some of the women she works with are the ones that are at the marriage center. Yep. Salisbury, so that's her passion. That's a Amen. place she was in, and she graduated from the place, and she goes back there, you know, to inspire the women. Yep. And, and that's the idea. There's a lot of women who are getting released from prison who were led in prison because of love. Yep. You know, they love their boyfriends who were drug dealers and put the blame on them, left them for dead. Yep. They got bailed out, but they lost their kids. They're still in jail doing their time yep. and they're coming out broken. You know what I mean? Yep. And this is why if it wasn't for women like my wife, yourself and what you do, it really mm -hmm. leaves someone really broken and really lost out there, yep. you know? So leaving the streets is a movement we created in Haverhill. We're Amen. making noise, we're um, breaking records left and right, but it's Amen. all God. It's like I say all the time, that ministry belongs to God. My wife and I are just janitors to open the doors. You Amen. know, anyone can come and get food any time of the week. Yep. You can come and get a job any time of the week. Like you, you get the job the same day you walk into the center. It's yeah, guaranteed because nice. we work with convicted fathers. Every all our jobs are COVID friendly, so it doesn't matter who walks in for what. Yeah. So we got mothers that come to us for their kids. So now Wanda created. She put together a, a bus, a recovery bus. Yeah. Um, it's called Recovery on Wheels. Nice. And we go to people's houses yep. and do um interventions, you know. Yeah. So we're doing interventions where guys that are afraid to come out or ask for help or recovery, yep. they'll come on the bus, yep. or give them an intervention. We're actually using that same bus to bring 15 kids to go to Walpole State Prison, the same prison I was in. Yep. So we're going to have a little intervention with guys that are doing life. Nice. And they're going to be sharing their testimonies with the kids that we work with. Nice. Now, you know, because you've only had a couple of arrests. Yep. These guys been in this since they were 17 years old. Right. They and they're never getting out, out, you know. Right. So, so them sharing That's that, you know, awesome. experience with them is beautiful, it's perfect. So this recovery bus, the seats are just filled with cosmetics, Narcan's, clothes. So it's uh, we do a lot of outreach in the streets, yeah. as you know, with um, some of our pages. <laughs> Sorry, my phone rings more now than it did when I used to sell drugs. Right, <laughs> amen. Know, because, I want to read hey, some of the comments, and yeah. um, I know we're coming down to time. Yeah. So let's see. We have Kathy, David Spencer, um, Jamie Murphy. Oh, that's Bobby, actually Jamie you Murphy. <laughs> Great share. Thank you from Beth Blazonis, Joel. Oh, hi, Beth. Joel, Margie, Senior. Keep up the good work carrying the message. Mm. David, David, and Joel. So, thank you guys for all tuning in tonight. So, in closing, um, what do we say to the kids on the streets? What do, what do we what do we say to stop this insanity? Because it's bad. It is. It's um, bad. It's put your pride aside. Yep. And ask for help. Okay. You can't do it alone. Nobody can. You know, um, I've always had that pride. When I first got introduced to the NA meetings in the A, and I've never seen so many sober people in my life, you mm -hmm. know. And when I went, we would go to big meetings in, like, Salisbury in the streets, and I would hear grown men share their testimonies. And I would be in a table because I was in the link house, yeah. you know. So we would have to go to these meetings. And um, I would say... Um, I had to ask for help. So I as nervous and as mad as I was, because I'm I'm living my whole life in a gang world where I never asked for help. Yep. But I know that for me to get that help, I needed to ask for help. 
because we need someone to talk to when we're thinking of using it. We need someone to talk to you when we're thinking of doing the criminal activities. We can't do it alone. But just know that someone, you always got a bigger crowd of people that want you to do the bad and a less of a crowd of people that want you to do the good. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand that we're going to choose our battles. The more you do good and the more sober you get, the less friends you have, yep. which is good. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing, yep. you know, because the less friends you have, the more money you have. Right. You know, so it's something you build on, but don't be afraid to ask for help. And if anyone needs a job, needs the detox, yeah. you don't even got to make a phone call. We got direct access right to detox. Amen. So it saves a lot of that time and a lot of those beds. Just don't be afraid to reach out. Amen. So it's leaving the streets ministry. What's the address? 117 Lafayette Square. Right across the street from the CVS it, on the it, corner. Yep. yep. And, um, it's right across the street from the CVS. Yep. You can also reach us on Facebook. We're all over the media. Um, just Google up, um, search up Leaving the Streets Ministries. Our Gmail is Leaving the Streets Ministries at gmail.com. Um, we're very well known. And uh, if you forget the name Leaving the Streets, just call the city hall. If you call the city hall, actually say that you're looking for Leaving the Streets and they'll give you a direct contact. You can call the mayor's office. They got my direct contact. Um, chief of police, you can call them. Any, we're well known all over the city of Haverhill. We're all loved by the community. Amen. So they know um, the city hall sends enough people to us. So it's a blessing. Yes. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lou, for letting us go over. It was too powerful for me to interrupt to say, hey, you know, this was an amazing Aaron. Thank you for coming and sharing oh, your testimony. You thank you for the work that you do. Thank you, Wander, if you're listening. And, uh, you know, this was an absolute amazing show. And like I spoke to you before we started, this is something I want to look to um, expand on with you, and uh, and I hope we do that. So, to everyone that tuned in tonight, thank you so much for being with us. Um, this can share this message. This was a powerful message. You can find it on um, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and you can share it off of the Facebook. So let's just get this message out that there is hope. Um, the kids that are on the streets that there is another way of living. You two are true testimony Absolutely. that there is another way of life and of living. And, um, and and just thank you so much for people like the two of you for being here. So I'll see you folks in two weeks with two amazing guests. And until then, stay safe and God bless. God thank bless. you very much, Lou. God bless.